This is Brewers on Tap. Welcome to Brewers on Tap, the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm Lane Grindle. You can get involved each and every week with comments or questions to us here at Brewers on Tap by using the hashtag Brewers on Tap. On this edition of the podcast, we're going to catch up with AAA affiliate Colorado Springs and their manager Rick Sweet and Brewers outfielder Alex Presley, who began the year on that Sky Sox roster. We'll jump into Sabermetrics 101 as this week we break down the ever-important statistic, war. We check out what's on tap, and we get you caught up on everything going on down on the farm, the miners, with a look around the Brewers system. Brewers began the week with a loss to the Cubs in Chicago before returning home for a weekend series with the Miami Marlins. The Marlins took the first two of the series before the offense exploded in the Sunday finale, and it didn't take long. And the pitch, swinging and a fly ball into right and deep. Get up, get out of here, and go! for Santana, and the Brewers have the lead. He went the other way, and Giancarlo Stanton climbed the fence out there, but couldn't pull that one back. The fireworks continued as Chris Carter launched two home runs. The delivery, swing and a drive right center field, and hammered. This one is gone. Another home run for Chris Carter is sixth, and the Brewers lead it 5-1. It was a 14-5 win for the crew, and they'd back it up with another great performance on Monday night in the series opener versus the Angels. Jimmy Nelson worked seven innings and allowed just four hits and two runs, while also helping out his own cause. Ready is Weaver, and Nelson again. Going to swing away, and he lines one to right, a base hit. He started to show bunt, and then pulled the bat back and rifled a bullet in the right field. It was also a happy birthday for Yadiel Rivera. New sign from Soto, and here comes Weaver. Swinging a line drive, base hit to center. Waited back perfectly on that one and lined it up the middle. His first career RBI on his 21st birthday, no less. The Brewers improved to 10 and 15 with an 8 to 5 win, and Jimmy Nelson improved to 4 and 2 on the season, securing the win on the mound. After the game, the Brewers designated left-handed relief pitcher Sam Freeman for assignment to make room for right-handed pitcher Junior Guerra. To make the start on Tuesday for the Brewers, Garrett was called up from Colorado Springs, and the 31-year-old from Venezuela turned in a solid performance, going six innings, allowing four runs on seven hits. He got some help from his defense bullpen and his offense. And the pitch. Swing and a drive to left and deep. Get up. Get out of here. Gone for Luke Roy. There's number one. The Brewers have tied this game. Luke Roy hit one way out of here and left. Back to even. It's 4-4. Four, four. 
One batter later for the second time in the game, Chris Carter had no use for fences. Swing and a drive to left center and deep. Get up. Get up. Get out of here and gone for Chris Carter. And the Brewers have the lead as Carter hits his second in the game. No doubt about that one. Way out of here. Jeremy Jeffress collected his seventh save, and the Brewers win it 5-4. 11-15 for the Brewers with the win, and their third win in a row, I might add. Junior Garrett credited for that win on the mound. His first career win for the 31-year-old. How about that? How about the season Chris Carter's having while we're at it? Through Tuesday's action, he was on pace for, get this, 56 home runs, 131 RBIs. Now, I, I, it's early. That's a 26-game sample, but we all agree that the power plays, right? And he may not end up with those numbers. Those are ridiculous. But the point is, he's putting up some staggering statistics right now, and the Brewers fans have to have a lot of excitement about what he's been able to do so far. All right, let's check in on a valuable piece to the Brewers bench. Let's catch up with the crew. Alex Presley is our guest Reserve outfielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. And Alex, you were DFA, didn't make the team coming out of spring training. What was your mindset to get yourself back to this point? Um, it was hectic. I uh, actually got to go home for a few days um, during the process, um, which you know was kind of a silver lining on the whole thing. Um, I got to be in a place where I was comfortable um, and, you know, a tough time for me. But... Um, just get refocused in that time and, and come out and, and uh, play well in Colorado Springs and let things shake out. Obviously things did shake out and fairly quickly for you. Were you anticipating that quickly that you'd be back up here? Um, I knew the potential of being up quickly was there, but um, you know, didn't really try to put a timetable on it in my mind. Just worried about going out and playing the games and controlling what I could control, and, and, and that's what I did. Your experience, I mean, you've been with multiple different clubs. You've got major league experience with multiple different clubs. How does that help you kind of be adaptable? Um, I've learned to be really adaptable the past few years, um, and I think it's, it's helped me out, you know, um, mentally, you know, being in different uh, situations as far as, you know, start a game or come off the bench, pinch hit, anything. I've done all of it at the major league level, so... Um, I've learned to, to adapt to a lot of different situations and, and be able to predict uh, game situations and when to be ready. You seem to be comfortable in a pinch-hitting type of role. Is there a certain type of makeup or DNA you have to have to be good in those spots? Um, I try to simplify as much as I can. Um, you know, be as simple as possible, go out there, get a good pitch to hit, um, and attack it. Um, mentally, just try to be able to lock it in when you need to and uh, like I said predicting um, situations in the game is big so you can be mentally ready to go I mean I I got physically and mentally um, you know you want to be loose physically but mentally is is just as important how familiar were you with some of the guys in this clubhouse before this spring began Um, we had a good amount from from the Astros where I came from you know, Carter, VR, Domingo, we all played together. Um, other than that, I've uh, played against some guys when I was with the Pirates, uh, you know, LaCroix, Brawny. Um, but 
you know, Scooter lives down there with me in Florida, close. So I got to know him some this off season. We just moved down there, so um, worked out together a little bit. So um, there was familiar faces coming in, which made it easier. You always want to get better. What are the things you're working on right now to help give yourself more opportunities? Um, I think just you know consistency is the key up here. Um, being able to, to to show up every day and 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 uh, do do what you need to do and, and be focused every game and, and you know, just just be a dependable player and that's what I'm trying to be. Alex, appreciate it. Thanks. Our thanks to Alex Presley for joining us here on the podcast. All right, let's get in the classroom with Sabermetrics 101. WAR stands for Wins Above Replacement, and it may just be the most sabermetric-y sabermetric out there, if I can use that kind of alliteration. Its purpose is to determine a player's overall value to their team in respect to the average player or even a minor league replacement, and it's considered a very good way to compare players apples to apples. And for the sake of this podcast, I will give you the formula for war for position players. Now get ready, i got to read this. Batting runs plus base running runs plus fielding runs plus positional adjustment plus league adjustment plus replacement runs divided by runs per win. Confusing? Uh, It's confusing for me at times. It, It certainly can be. But what you should know is that the higher the war, the better you are. So this is not golf. (laughs) This is like other sports. The higher, the better. Most good players have a war in the 3-4 to range. And above that is all-star level. And a a good example would be Ryan Braun. His 2011 MVP season, we all remember that one around here, his war was 7.1. All right, let's get down on the farm. Checking in on the farm. We start off checking in on the farm with Rick Sweet, the manager of the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. And I got a chance to catch up with him about a week or so ago. And one of the things that we talked about was just a crazy start to their season weather-wise. Yeah, we've had eight inches of snow one night. We thought we were done with it. And two, three nights later, we had three more inches. We had, I can remember... Uh, playing and in opening in Chicago in Wrigley Field, and they had 300 guys shoveling the snow off the field so we could play. We turned around in Colorado Springs this year. We had guys shoveling snow. They had big trucks on the warning track carrying the snow over to the trucks, putting it in, and they had to shovel nine inches of snow off the field, and we were able to play the next day. It's been a crazy year so far. How does that impact guys in terms of preparation, practice, field time, bullpen sessions, all those types of well, we're able to get it done. We've got a great setup in Colorado Springs. Our, our uh, batting cage is very, very good. We've got a mound in there, a dirt mound, which they keep up. So they, you know, they, it's a typical experience there. But I, I think the thing I worry about the most is the players, and they have handled it extremely well. In fact, it's become a laughing thing where, you know, they just laugh at it. We've got our work. We really had a, have played pretty well, even though we didn't get on the field for seven days. Uh, we got plenty of 
work in the last two days before we left to head on this road trip, we got tons of hitting. We got guys that uh, almost were getting blisters again from all the work we got in with the two nice days before we left. Okay, you have an interesting situation because obviously you're the you're the last stop before the stop, and so guys are going to be moving up and down throughout the year. We've already seen a fair amount of that in the early portion of the season. How does that affect how you try to manage the team day in, day out? Well, actually, it makes it easier. The more movement we have, the easier it is for me because it keeps these guys on their toes. If if there's no movement, it becomes stagnant, and it's and it, it's harder to motivate them. Uh, with movement, it's easy to motivate them. Hey, you want to be the next guy to go up there? Then play well. You know, let's go. Let's go get some extra work done. So it makes it easier. Most people don't look at it that way. They think, oh, that's got to be tough. It's not. It, it really is a, a much easier situation for me to motivate my players because they know they want to be the next guy. But you also have a handful of prospects that, you know, everybody's keeping a close eye on. And, and so blending those two things together is probably fun and interesting at the same time. It's, it's fun. It, it really is a very good group. I've got some players that, uh, you know, a couple of veteran players that are good leaders. They, they lead by going out and doing it. And, and it's not the, all uh, the verbiage. It's more they go out and play the game the right, right way. Uh, and then the young guys, that's always fun. I, you know, everybody thinks, oh, you're an older manager. You probably like older guys. No, I, I like the younger guys. They're easier to motivate. They listen. They, they look at you. You can see the intensity when you talk to them. So uh, we've got a good blend. We, we've done a pretty good job. I think the organization's done a good job of making sure we're covered for our major league club. I mean, my job is to get guys ready for Craig Council. I want guys to play the way Craig Council wants them to play. So I stay in, in close uh, communication with Counts so I know what he's focusing on and, and what he wants done. With that being said, do, do you guys try to employ the same kind of shifts and things of that nature so oh, the infield defense is, is consistent throughout? Without a doubt. That, that's the biggest thing for me. I've never, never run shifts like we do here. In fact, we've had a couple meetings to cover it. Uh, we're, we're in a new uh, facility now, and I'm going over the shifts. I've got the sheets here in front of me. Uh, I run all that from the, from the dugout. To, you know, the tough part for me is, is it's very involved once you get it to stay on top of it. Uh, of course, Counts doesn't have to do that. He's got a guy that does that for him. For, so for us, with the short staff, only, only three of us, uh, we, we've got to do the work of eight, nine, ten coaches that they have in the big leagues. But we, we get it done, and, and shifting is a big part of it. It's a big part of the game, and it's been a huge benefit for us. Even in the, we, we've only played 14 games, uh, it's, been a, it's benefited us quite a bit. Speaking of prospects, the number one prospect by most people's accounts in the Brewers organization is Orlando Arcia. His first year in AAA seems to be adjusting to that just fine. It doesn't seem like there's been any huge challenges for him no, yet. He's, he's been good. I, I, was, I, I had my concerns. I've seen a lot of young prospects come through at the AAA level, uh, and, and I've seen most of them because they're so talented not have problems but uh, occasionally you might see one or two problems that rise we've seen nothing with with Orlando he is a solid baseball player he's young uh, he he's very you know very volatile he's very very much into the game he plays hard most of the time 
he plays hard all the time. Every once in a while, you got to remind him because he gets down when he's not doing well. But uh, this guy is fun to watch. He is exciting. He's loud. He's boisterous. He's got all kinds of talent, and uh, people in Milwaukee are going to love him once he gets up there. The move through the systems, uh, or through the system at the different levels, Rick, the jump to AAA, especially for a hitter, more challenging because they're seeing more major league ready arms? Is Without a doubt. I, I've been, like I said, I've, I think this 17 years in AAA, guys come from AA and they come here and they go, this is a totally different ball game. And it is. Double A, you know what the guy's going to throw. They're all fastball throwers. They throw hard, but they're wild. They're all over. You get here, these guys know how to pitch. And and they have already tested uh, Arcia. They've already tested him with hard stuff in, knocking him off the plate, and then breaking balls away. He had a great at bat. He, he had a three-run home run to win a game the other night in Colorado Springs. And I told him yesterday, I said, that's not the at bat that, that, that I like the best. And he kind of looked at me. Last night in our game, they were pitching around him. And it, runners were on first and second, were down, I think, three, two runs at the time. And he's up there to hit another home run, win the ball game. So they threw him all junk. He walked. And he took those pitches, let the next guy come up. The next guy came up, hit a, hit a double down the line. We score three runs and, and the game's over. Uh, so he, he's doing the things he has to do at this level to prepare him for the next level. The biggest jump in in, in this game is coming to AAA. It's not what the, what it is in AA, and I've done both leagues. It, he's done a good job with it. Another prospect, Michael Reed, got off to a very nice start, and he's one of the more physically impressive guys you'll look at. Yeah, he is, and, and you know, I was really happy with Reeder. He got to come up last year. He came up last year and struggled with us uh, because he was looking 2-0 fastballs, and he was getting 2-0 change-ups, and he goes, do they ever throw fastballs here? And, and a lot of times at AAA, and even in the major leagues, they'll throw you fastballs if you make them. You've got to make that pitcher throw fastballs. If you're going to chase off-speed pitches and chase balls out of the the zone, why would they throw you a strike? They'd be stupid to, and that's something they have to learn That at, at this level. Mike learned that last year, uh, finished up the year very well, went to the big leagues, played well, and he's come back here and just taken off where he where he was at last year. He's a really good athlete. Obviously, I mean, could have played football if he wanted to. Do, do you see him as a corner, or do you see him playing some center field? No, he's a corner guy that can play center. That's, that's the way you look at it. Santana is a corner guy that can play center field. Uh, and, and Reader's the same way. He, he is a left fielder, right fielder that can play center field in an emergency. And, and in fact, he will play center field tonight. We're going to get him more center field time here coming up. Uh, you know, I've talked to Tom Flanagan a lot, and they want to try to get him some more, even though we have Broxton here. I mean, Broxton is a legitimate center fielder, uh, but they want to get Reader some time in center field also. Garen Cicchini's a really interesting study because this is a guy that was a huge prospect a couple years ago, struggled at the AAA level and just never could turn that corner, but he's off to a good start. Do you think that he learned a lot from that experience in the Boston system and, and, and maybe has taken a different uh, approach uh, this time around? Well, I think there's no doubt, uh, you know, when you're the prospect, everything's kind of right there for you, and when you don't produce, all of a sudden they, they throw you away quick. They, they, don't, they don't wait around for a long time. Uh, I think Bob Scooby, my hitting coach, has done a great job with Cheech. I, I think he really has helped him 
do exactly what you said. You know, we got to. You you were the guy. Now you're not the guy. You want to be the guy again? This is what you have to do. He's he is very focused. He's a, a happy-go-lucky, always smiling, fun-loving type of guy. And I I talked to him about a week ago. I said, "You all right?" He goes, "Oh yeah, I'm just focused. I'm fine, Skip. I'm good." I mean, it was like. All right, you know, he, he's on a mission. And I, I think the change of scenery was very important, but I also think that, that Bob Scooby has really helped him physically, but mentally more than anything else. Let's talk about a couple of arms. Jorge Lopez, another big prospect, uh, had a great year last year in AA. It's a little different game at the AAA <laughs> level. What is he learning right now through the first month? He's learning how to pitch at this level, which will get him ready to pitch in the big leagues. Uh, you know, it scares some organizations send guys to AAA. This is a tough, tough level uh, because there are so many veteran guys that know how to play the game and know what to look for, and, and they test you early on. He will be fine. Uh, I think Lopez going to be have no problems here once he figures out this level. That will get him ready for the big leagues. Guy that made a couple starts at the major league level last year. Do you do you, do you think sometimes after you've done that and then you come into AAA, you you maybe don't realize that it is as big of a jump as no, it is. I, I think in, in my 42 years in the game, the the biggest thing, and I say it all the time, and I I firmly believe it, and I'm sure you've heard it before. Don't get fooled by spring training in yeah. September. Yeah. You know, those are right. two different entities, two totally different animals. It's not like being in the heat uh, of, of a pennant race. Yeah. If you were, if, if they were in a pennant race, all those guys would not have gotten that experience. So, you know, I think it was great experience for him to have. It'll be something that will make it easier once he gets back there. But we are in a pennant race here. I mean, we, we are playing games that really matter. And, you know, he, he's going to learn. I'm not worried about him at all. He's got good stuff. He's just got to throw more strikes. He knows what he has to do. He'll be fine. People would argue that Damian Magnifico maybe has the best fastball in the system. I mean, it's 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 a big-time arm, obviously. It is. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you look at him, he goes out. We, we just played a ball club, and, and he went in and pitched one game or one inning. And they go, why is he here? Your bullpen must be damn good in the big leagues if this guy's in AAA. But again, and they all know why. He, he's still young. He's learning. But he's, he's got lightning. He's got, he's got stuff in that arm that it comes out. And his breaking ball is as good as his fastball. It's just the fastball is so good, that's what you want to talk about. But his hammer is really good also. What's the biggest thing he has to, to take with him before he's ready for the next step? I, I think just uh, I think he, he has shown me that he consistently uh, has good stuff. Now it's, it's the consistent command of that stuff. You know, just having a fastball isn't good enough in the big leagues. Uh, uh, I had a Rawlis Chapman, and he learned that when he first came to us in, in AAA, he got beat up pretty bad. He because you know 100 miles an hour doesn't scare people, but when you have a breaking ball like like Magnifico has, uh, it makes that fastball that much better. So I think right now he's getting the gaining the experience he needs to with the, with the hitters he's facing, and he's going to be a fast mover. He he's going to be ready shortly, I think, for the big leagues when when they need him. There's no need to rush him right now. Uh, he's gaining very valuable experience just pitching at a higher level. One final question, then we'll let you go. You do, we, we talked about the dynamics of some veteran guys and, and the prospects. 
Guys like Eric Young Jr., guys like Alex Presley when he was here, how, how does that help the prospects to be exposed to those guys in With, a clubhouse like this? Without a doubt. That's it. I, it, One thing I always go to my veteran players like that, say, hey, look, it, I'm going to take care of you. You're a veteran. You want to get back to the big leagues. I'll take care of you. But you got to take care of my young guys. You go out and show them how to play the game the right way. And I'm not big on talk. I'm big on actions. I show them how to play the game the right way. And EY does a great job of that. EY is, is, is very, very good. He talks baseball all the time. Nobody plays harder, plays focused. He works, his, his work habits are tremendous. So, uh, you know, guys like that, Presley, same way. Presley is a quieter guy than EY, which, you know, Presley just goes out and executes and plays, and guys look at him and go, wow, that's, that's, that's good. Um, so, you know, you've got to handpick those veteran guys. They, they can mean so much to you, but they also can, they, they can backfire on you if you're not careful with them, and I keep a close eye on them. But those two guys, you don't, you don't have any worries. They play the game the right way. All right, let's look around the rest of the teams, including Colorado Springs. They are 9-14 after a loss on Tuesday night to the Round Rock Express. Orlando Arcia, though, continues to impress. Hit deep to left field. Got a hold of this thing. Way back. On its way. And touch them all. Grand slam for Orlando Arcia. Hits the jackpot here in the sixth inning. And the Sky Sox busted wide open late 8-3 here in Omaha. That was from earlier in the week. He did have his eight-game hitting streak snapped on Tuesday night in a loss to Round Rock. Manny Pena is having a huge year for Colorado Springs. He's hitting 390 and was third in the PCL in batting average as of Tuesday night. Brett Phillips at AA Biloxi chased a possum earlier in the week. That got a lot of attention. But the Southern League is chasing the Shuckers. They're 17-7, and seven. they're getting really solid pitching from Josh Hader, the lefty, and the righty, Jorge Ortega. They're third and fourth in the Southern League in ERA, respectively, with those two guys. Hader with a .78 ERA, 1.19 ERA for Ortega. Also out of the pen, Jay Chapman has been just lights out, 11 and a third innings, only two hits allowed while striking out 15 so far this season for the Shuckers. And Jacob Nottingham hasn't had the start that he wanted or anybody expected at the plate, but he's still getting some clutch hits. If it goes that far, the 1-1 pitch at it home. Swinging a ground ball is fair down the third baseline into the left field corner. Rin comes in to score, and Jacob Nottingham gives the Shuckers a 2-1 victory. Hits a Biloxi Shuckers winner. He finishes the night one for five. They mom Nottingham out there as he rounds first base. Out at second base is where the mob is. In high A Brevard County, that team was struggling. The Mantees were really struggling. They were at three and seventeen. Well, they're on a roll now. They're eight and eighteen after their Tuesday win over Dunedin. And Johnny Davis has been hot while playing center field. But maybe the biggest head turner for the Manatees has been Bubba Derby. The righty owns a 2.49 ERA and uh, really good strikeout numbers. He's struck out 31 in 21 and two-thirds innings pitch so far this year. Class A Wisconsin, the Timber Rattlers have been playing pretty well. Good to see Monte Harrison get a big hit. We're in the bottom of the ninth inning in a tie game. Rubio, the winning run is down the third baseline. Diaz away from second. Harrison with that straightaway stance in the right-hand batter's box. Crescentini's pitch. 
Swing and a drive to right center field. Going to get down and the Rattlers are going to win this game. Tuesday night, the Timber Rattlers got a big win. Prospect Jake Gatewood hit his first home run of the season. And Isan Diaz hit his third. The Timber Rattlers are 12-14. and 14. Here's what's on tap with the Brewers. Well, what's on tap? How about a road trip? Four in Cincinnati, three more in Miami this week before coming home for a seven-game homestand next week starting on May 12th. It runs through the 19th with the Padres and the Cubs. That's it for this week. Thanks to our guests, Alex Presley and Rick Sweet. I'm Lane Grindle. Thanks for listening to Brewers on Tap.